You're listening to Connection Church's podcast. Good morning, church. I hope you are doing good. I want to pray for us this morning and then you can be seated. I do want to encourage you today that uh, God's got you here for a reason. You didn't just show up here by accident, but God's got you here for a reason and he wants to speak to your hearts today. And I believe that with all of my heart that God has a message for us and uh, work he wants to do in our hearts. So let's pray and let's just surrender ourselves to God as we pray to him. Lord, thank you so much for the work you do in our lives. Thank you, God, for the work you do in our hearts. God, thank you for the way you work in us and then the way you work through us, Lord. God, we just come to you and ask you to wrap your arms around us fill us with your Holy Spirit, to let us feel your presence, to let us know that you are here, God, even when we don't feel it, God, to trust your word that you are here. God, we believe you are here now because there's more than two or three who are gathered in your name and we know that you are faithful. So God, I pray that you would have your way here in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. And you can be seated. Hope you are doing good. Everybody good? Good, good. Good. I'm excited about today, looking forward to uh, getting into the message. Before we do, I want to thank you. I know some of you have made the switch from 11 o'clock to 9 o'clock already, and I want to thank you for that. We, um, we, we really believe that that 11 o'clock service is going to fill up, and you can see even today that the 9 o'clock service is more full than it's been being as people are starting to settle back in from the summer. And so we're thankful for that and that opportunity just to reach more people. And what you're doing by coming to this service is really um, helping us do that. And so probably more than what you realize. And so anyway, thank you for that. Uh, today we are going to be in Psalm chapter 33 to begin with. And then we're going to jump to a few other scriptures. I just want to read four verses out of Psalm uh, 33 this morning. And then we'll get going in the message. But if you have your Bible, Psalm 33, and if you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen. We'd love to give you a Bible. If you don't have one, we'll give you a Bible at our Next Steps table. Um, we'd love for you to have a Bible if you do not have one, and we'd be glad to give you one. So Psalm 33, verse 16 is where we're going to start. It says, No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those who, whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. Um, start out with a, a quick uh, illustration for you just to kind of help you see and understand where we're going this morning but not too long ago I was at the gym with a friend of mine and haven't been since this day I don't think but that was like three or four months ago so anyway um, was there that day and uh, we were working out we were doing bench press I was actually down under the bar and he's standing over me. We've been working out a little while, so he's, he's worked up a pretty good sweat. As I'm standing, I'm holding the weight over my chest like this, as you do laying flat down doing bench press. And all of a sudden, I watch as a drop of sweat falls from his face. And I'm watching, it's like slow motion. Right on my mouth. I was like, I was trying to hold the bar up at the same time. I couldn't wipe my mouth, I couldn't do anything. And so I'm like, ah, uh, trying to work out, trying to do that. And he's like, oh man, I'm sorry. And you know, of course, I'm trying to be polite. I'm like, oh, no big deal, <laughs> you know. 
And so um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to work out and do this stuff. And then that same day, I remember working and we, I put too much weight on the bar to start with. I hadn't been in a while and I thought I could pick up where I left off. And so I put too much weight on the bar to start with. And so I did the weight like 10 times and I was like, oh yeah, I can go up a little bit because you never you know, want to admit you can't. And so I tried to go up and I remember like I got on number three or four and it, it was like one of these feelings, if you work out, you know this feeling, I was like, and it just wouldn't go. I was just like, I'm done, I'm done. So then he has to pick it up off of me and I'm worried about sweat falling on my face again. And so he picks it up off of me and I was like, man, and I did, I honestly did. I felt a twinge in my shoulder, something hurt. But then I was like, man, I think it's my shoulder. That's why I couldn't do it. It's my shoulder, man. And, and, and so I blamed it completely on my shoulder um, because we don't like to admit that we can't do something. We don't like to admit weakness, do we? And so in that day, it was, it was definitely my shoulder that kept me from being able to do this. And I know in my life, it's very difficult to admit weaknesses. Um, in this text, what we see are really two different ways that we can find hope or security in our life. And what I want you to see today, that oftentimes it's our weaknesses that lead to insecurities. In fact, what I would tell you today and what I want you to really be able to hear is that if we have an unsurrendered weakness, it will eventually turn into an insecurity. If we have an unsurrendered weakness, it will eventually turn into an insecurity in our lives. As we look at this text, basically what he's saying is that nobody's strong enough to save themselves. Nobody's strong enough uh, to, 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 to do, use their own strength in order to save themselves and bring themselves their own security. He says, listen, a horse, which was a huge deal back then, it was um, a prized possession. It was one of the greatest military weapons you could have was a horse. He says, a horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite its great strength it cannot save and so we see very clearly in this picture in this this psalm that there's two places we can go to for security one of those is in the Lord in his deliverance and his salvation and who he is and what he's done in our lives another one is our own strength our own ability and here's the thing and guys this is the truth if we were honest today more times than not we try to build the size of our army we try to trust in our own ability, our own strength, or we try to trust in the things that we have to bring us the security that we need. If we're just being honest, we try to build those things up many times because it makes us feel more secure. What is security? Security, in my definition, is this. It's, it's a feeling that I'm okay and that life is going to be okay. And so we try to build up these things. So we, we try to build up the nest egg. We try to build up our own strength. We try to do things that bring us security, that we find security in. And what this psalm is telling us is that there's one way you can look at it in my own strength, or there's another way I can look at it in God's strength. And I'm telling you today that the only way to find true security is in God's strength. And here's the reason why, because you and I are imperfect people. We are imperfect vessels. We are not perfect when we live in a flawed world in which you and I, listen, are not sovereign. We're not in control. Control is an illusion for us. We can't control things. Therefore, we, we come to a place where our weaknesses hinder us from being able to bring security into our life. Only one person, God, who is sovereign over all things, can bring security into our life. We can't control it. We can't do it. But we can control where we go and who we look to 
for security. We can look to our army. We can look to our great strength as a warrior. We can look to our great strength in a horse. We can look to our great strength in ourselves. We can look to our great strength in our bank account. We can look to our great strength in our spouse or our boyfriend or our girlfriend. The problem with that is we're never going to find true security until we turn to God for that security. And here's the reality of it is when we turn to God for that security and we trust him and we release that to him, here's the thing that typically happens is we, we give it to him, we surrender it to him, and then as soon as we turn around, we walk away and we pick it right back up. And the thing we've got to do is realize that that's part of our human nature. And so our whole life is an act of surrender. Our whole life is an act of turning it over to God. It's not a one-time thing that we do. It is a continual way of life. Just like we breathe in and we breathe out, we're going to pick up things and we're going to surrender things. We're going to have to continually yield those things to God. It's a way of life for us. It's, it's not just a one-time deal in our lives. And like I was telling you, unsurrendered weaknesses, weaknesses that are not touched by the power of God, ultimately become insecurities, ultimately become insecurities. And see, here's the reality for us guys. Insecurities bring all kinds of traps into our life. They bring all kinds of traps into our lives. It's traps that we step in and that we walk in and it's traps that other people step in and other people walk in because our insecurities oftentimes lead to a few things. One of those is pride. One of the things that insecurities lead to is pride. And here's why. When we don't feel that we're okay and we don't feel that life's going to be okay, we know that and we feel that that's not okay. And so we begin to try to cover that up. And pride is just a veil to cover insecurity. You show me a prideful person, an arrogant person, I'll show you an insecure person. Someone who has to always be right, someone who has to stick their chest out, beat their chest and brag on themselves and boast in themselves, they're insecure about who they are and what they can do and what they've done. And so we see pride as this cover for insecurity. Another thing that we see, if you flip it to the other side, is sometimes insecurity causes self-hate, causes us to not like ourselves, right? And so we're insecure about things. We feel we're not okay, so therefore nobody else could like us the way we are. And so we just end up hating ourselves. And it begins to destroy our life. So we don't like ourselves very much. There are a lot of people in here today, if you could change everything about your life, you would because you don't like you very much. The thing I would tell you is God made you. God does not make mistakes and God does not make trash. You need to begin to see yourself through Christ, surrendering your life to him, trusting in him and allowing him to be the voice that speaks to you about who you are and, and how you're going to live your life. It's not something that you can do on your own. It's not something you can do on your own. Another thing that insecurity often causes is a loss of, of confidence. It's this inability to be confident about anything. There's a difference in confidence and pride. See, confidence when it comes from God is, is real. It's this confidence that I can do what God tells me to do because he's the one in control. He's going to take care of me. He's going to see me through. I can have confidence because God ultimately is the one that I'm looking to for salvation and he's never going to fail me. But then there's a false confidence. It's just in us, this thin. It really doesn't have any depth. And oftentimes those insecurities cause us to lose confidence. Another thing it causes us to lose is purpose. A lot of times we lose our purpose. 
because of our insecurities. We feel like there is no possible way that God could use me the way that I am. And this is what I can tell you. If this is the church you attend, every Sunday that you come in this place and I stand up here and preach ought to be a testimony to you about what God can do through very ordinary, messed up people. Right? Because the reality of it is, I feel like Paul most of the time. I'm the chief of sinners. And so this lie that God can't use me, does he want to clean you up? Absolutely. Does he want to remove the sin from your life? Absolutely. But you're not disqualified because of your past. God can remove that and give you a future and continue to use you as you walk out this life. It's why we want everybody to be a part of serving. Because you get to see that God can use you in these ways. And when he begins to use you in these ways, you begin to expect God to use you in other ways. And so it's part of our growth as Christians. But these insecurities, they lead to these traps, these traps of self-hate, these traps of pride, traps of loss of confidence, a loss of purpose, until it almost leaves us paralyzed in a place that we can't get rid of them. And here's the thing that's wild. Here's the thing that's difficult. If we're going to get rid of our insecurities and we're going to become whole and we're going to trust in God, then we've got to do what goes against our nature. If we're going to get rid of insecurities and we're going to get rid of these weaknesses and we're going to overcome these weaknesses, we're going to overcome them. And that's what we, what we have to do is goes completely against our nature. And what goes against our nature is rather than hiding them, we have to expose them. We can't hide them and think they're going to get better. It's like having a deep wound. It doesn't get better unless it's opened up. The reality is for us, we're not going to get better until we're willing to admit our weaknesses, until we're willing to expose them. Now, that scares me a little bit. It probably scares you a little bit. And many of you are like, well, I ain't doing that. Well, then just stay like you are the rest of your life. That's basically the option. But the reality of it is, if we're willing to admit our weaknesses, God can heal us. God can maybe not even change the circumstance of that weakness, but the thing that God can do is change you in that circumstance. And when he changes you in the circumstance, he can begin to even use that weakness for a platform for a demonstration of his strength. So that your weakness becomes a platform for a demonstration of God's power. And I want you to see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 11 and 12. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church and he writes this letter to them um, and he's having to defend his apostleship or his authority. And all of these false teachers have been coming in and they've been boasting in who they are and, and in their teaching and in their speaking abilities and in the gifts that they've had and in the revelations that they've had with God. And they're leading the Corinthians the wrong way. But the Corinthians have kind of become in awe of their gifts and of the revelations they say they've had and these ecstatic experiences that they say they've had. And so Paul then comes to a place where he's like, really, have I got to brag about myself in order for you to believe me? And so in verse 11 or verse 30 of chapter 11 in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 30, it says, if I must boast, I will boast of all of the things that God or that show my weakness. So if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Chapter 12, verse 1, 
I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained, I'll go on divisions and revelations from the Lord. So Paul's saying, basically, you want revelations? I got revelations. I can tell you things that God's shown me. He says, I know a man in Christ who's speaking of himself, who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. In other words, he saw heaven. He saw a revelation of what heaven is like. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I cho should choose to boast, I will, would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so that no one will think more of me than what is warranted by what I do or say, or because of the surpassing re greatly great revelations." Therefore, listen to this, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. People have debated what the thorn was. We really don't know, but we know that there was something in Paul's life that wouldn't go away, that God did not take away. In fact, it says that Paul three times pleaded with the Lord to take it away from him. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in what? Weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about what? My weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Isn't that crazy? Because here's the thing that we think in the way that we live our lives. We feel like this, not that when I'm weak, then I am strong. We feel like when I'm strong, then I am strong. But the reality is that God says, you're really the strongest when you're the weakest, because when you're the weakest, you'll depend on me. You won't look to your army. You won't look to your horse. You won't look to your ability. You'll look to me for your security. You'll look to me for life. You'll look to me for strength. And he's saying, in your weaknesses, I can use those as a platform for strength. Rather than covering his weaknesses, Paul exposed them. Paul said, I'll even boast in them. He said, I'm not going to boast in the things that make me look good. I'm going to boast in the things that make me appear weak because when I'm weak, God uses me. God gives me strength and it's a way for you to experience the grace and the Holy Spirit and the power of God. But what were Paul's weaknesses? What were the things that he struggled with? What, I mean, he was human, right? So he had to have had weaknesses. And I believe his weaknesses weren't all that different from ours. I believe his weaknesses were probably very similar to ours. And I want to run through some of those real quick because I want you to see them. I want you to think about your own life and see if these things apply to you. The very first one that I feel like Paul could have easily had an insecurity that could have crept into Paul's life, robbed him of his calling and robbed him of what he was called to do in preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, I believe this, I believe it was a performance trap. I believe that it was, it was a possibility of performance trap where his value and worth were tied up into how well he did or what he did and how he did it. See, here's the reality for all of us is that typically when we do something really well, we feel loved. When we do something that we don't feel like we performed, we don't feel loved. And the world's taught us that. But the crazy thing about God's system is it doesn't work that way. God's system's not based on how well we perform or how good we look or, 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 or how, how much we um, have read our Bible or how much we've prayed or anything. God loves us just because he loves us. 
reading our Bible, praying, all of that, that's just a way to connect with God and experience God and grow in Christ's likeness, which is hugely important, but it doesn't make God love us. He already loves us. And so what we fall into, though, is this performance trap. I know yesterday, since it was the last day before school started back, we wanted to do something fun with the kids. So we took them down to Pooler to this place that has go-karts and putt-putt. And I had the double cart because I had Reed with me. He was too young to drive his own cart. So we're in these go-karts and we're going around the track. And I'm just telling you, as soon as I got in the cart, I could feel it. And what I could feel was my competitiveness coming up in me. And so I'm driving, I'm driving along and, 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 and all of a sudden I feel somebody hit me in the back, right? Hit me in the rear end. And I'm like, don't appreciate that much, but I'm going to let that go. A minute later, bam, going around a curve, bam, I'm getting hit and people are hitting me trying to go around me. We had a slow cart and that was nothing more frustrating than getting in the cart and knowing that your cart's not the fastest one. And so I'm trying to make myself wide, right? I'm trying to make myself wide, trying to keep them from going around me. And then finally I hear the go-kart and it's like, and it comes up beside me. And, and I'm like, I'm just going to wreck this joker. And so I look over there at him and it's like a 10-year-old, right? <laughs> I'm like, all right, he's 10. I'll, I'll let him go. Not really. I hit him in the quarter panel on the rear <laughs> trying to spin him out. I didn't spin him out, but I tried. I mean, I just, I, I just rammed him as hard as I could because I could feel that competitiveness coming. I got him a little loose, but then he just kept on going. And so um, but I tried to wreck him because of this competitiveness. And, and, and competitiveness is good. It's not a bad thing. But when it becomes something that determines our value or worth, if we win or not, that's something that is a problem. We need to understand where our value and worth come from. Paul could have easily struggled with this. It talks about in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. I want to read that to you real quick. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 through 5. It says, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. So he didn't come with eloquence or human wisdom. He said, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. And one of the things that Paul took a lot of criticism for was his speaking ability. He wasn't eloquent. He wasn't somebody that just dazzled them with the words that he had to say, but he was someone who, when he spoke and he taught the gospel, the Holy Spirit moved and it worked, but it would have been very easily for Paul to look at these great orators, these great speakers, these people who spoke eloquently. It would have been very easy for him to look at them and go, well, I'm not that good. How am I ever going to measure up to them and him shrink back from his calling? But because Paul was securing Christ, he knew the one who called him. It was a, a, a source of strength where the power of the Spirit moved through him. So it wasn't about his speaking ability as much as it was about his ability and willingness to surrender that to God and to trust God. Another thing that, that could have been an insecurity and a performance trap for Paul was the way he was called. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 through 8, the Bible tells us all these different people, as Paul writes to those Corinthians, he, he tells us about all the people that Jesus revealed himself to after the resurrection. And he talks about all of them that he revealed himself to. And then he finally, at the end of that says, and finally he revealed himself to me as one abnormally born. In other words, what he's saying is they, he didn't reveal himself to me. I'm, I'm not like the other apostles who walked with him, who saw the resurrection, who saw the crucifixion. He said he revealed himself to me differently. 
All the other apostles had this common experience, but then when you get to Paul, he was one who had a different experience. On the road to Damascus, God revealed himself to him and called him to be an apostle. But how easy would it have been as Paul's apostleship was being challenged for him to look at that and go, I'm not good enough to do this. I'm not worthy of this. I didn't get called the same way as them. I might not be as good as them, but the reality of it is that God called him. And Paul was secure in his calling, even to the point of being able to defend his apostleship, his authority, his calling to people. And here's the thing I want for you. I want you to be so sure in the one that called you that you're able to do the things that he's called you to do. Not to shrink back in fear, thinking that I can't do what God's called me to do, but to do the things that he's called you to do. Because what I realize is God's the one who called me. The people didn't call me. Nobody else called me. Nobody else put this purpose in my heart. God put this purpose in my heart. And here's the thing that I had to come to as a pastor. I had to come to the conclusion. I had to come to the revelation. I had to fully know that God called me to this position. God called me to do what I'm doing. Because on days when it's not going well, there's a tendency to want to walk away. There's a tendency to want to throw in the towel. There's a tendency to want to give up. But here's the thing I can tell you. God's made me so sure in my heart that this is what he's called me to do. Whether you think it's good, whether you think it's bad, or whatever you think, here's the reality. He's made it so sure in my heart that this is what God's called me to do, that if I walked away from this, I know it would be in direct disobedience to God. And I want you to be so sure about what God's called you to do that you know that. God has called me to do this, and until he calls me away from it, I'm going to do what he told me to do, because I'm so sure of my calling. Another thing that can lead to insecurities and some of our weaknesses is relationships. Relationships can cause insecurities in our life. It can cause us to have weaknesses in our life that lead us into insecurities. Second uh, Timothy chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. Paul is writing to um, his spiritual son, Timothy. He's encouraging him and how to pastor churches and to take and, and, and giving him some instruction. At the end of this letter, he's giving him in instruction and telling him about things that have happened to him. He says in verse 16 of chapter 4 in 2 Timothy, At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. In this scripture, we see Paul having some relationship issues. Everybody deserted him. Everybody left him. They turned away from him. They went their own direction. We know this happened more than once to Paul. Paul was someone who experienced betrayal. He'd been stabbed in the back. He'd been deserted. He'd been left alone. He'd been in places by himself that, that we would never even possibly consider wanting to be. In prisons that reek with death and, and places where no one would want to be. He experienced so much of that by himself. But the thing that Paul knew is, I'm never alone. Because as he said, he knew that God was with him. Now we need people in our lives. But the encouraging thing and the security comes in realizing that no matter if everyone else turned away from me, the reality of it is God never will. And so we know that God will never leave us nor forsake us, that he will always be with us. And when everyone turned their back on Paul, Paul was able to, to, to find strength in God because God was with him. And it's the same thing 
for us. Sometimes those relationships in our lives that cause weaknesses are, are things that, uh, how people have treated us, how people have treated us, what they've done to us, what they've said to us, what they've done to us. Those cause weaknesses in our lives and begin to cause insecurities in our lives. And we begin to look for security in other places. We begin to look oftentimes in a, when we've been hurt in relationships, the crazy thing about it is we'll go from a hurtful relationship to another unhealthy relationship just so that we can try to find security in someone. And the reality is it doesn't work. But here's our line of thinking. If I go to this person, if I'm in a relationship with this person, then what it'll do is it'll give me a feeling of acceptance. But it doesn't work out that way. Our, our, our confidence, our acceptance, our security can only really be found in God. And our thought goes like this. If, if I do this with them, then they will love me. And then we go, if they do this with me, then I know they love me. And you could fill in the blank with all kinds of things. We're spending time, sex, whatever it is. And so we see that unhealthy relationships oftentimes breed unhealthy relationships. But Paul didn't fall into this. Even though he was deserted, he stayed faithful to God. And you can too. We, we think of Paul and we think of this superhuman person, but the reality was he was a human being just like you and I, but he had the same Holy Spirit that you and I have, the same Spirit of God working in him to help him become the person that he was, to help him do the things that he did. You and I can draw from that same spirit. The third one that I believe becomes weaknesses for us and then turns into insecurities and we try to cover it is money and materialism. Money and materialism. And typically everything's fine until you start talking about money, right? The reality is for Paul that he was in a place before Christ where he was growing as a Pharisee. A Pharisee was a religious leader of that day. And he was growing as a Pharisee. This would have been, it helped him to advance his career. He was advancing along. He was passing all the other people his age. He was doing better. It would have led to a life that was prosperous. It would have led to a life that he would have felt secure. He would have felt like he could take care of himself. But the reality is when he met Christ, he realized that none of that was true, that none of that was worth anything. In fact, if you look at Philippians chapter 4, Verse 10 through 13, we see how Paul handled this. He says in verse 10 of Philippians chapter 4, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret. Here's the secret of being content. Here's the secret of not falling into a money and materialism trap. He says, I've, been, I've learned the secret of being content content in any and every situation, whether well-fed, in other words, whether I have a lot or whether living in plenty or in want. He says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. One of the most famous verses in all of Christianity, right? And, and, but here's the context for it. He's saying, whether I have a lot or whether I have a little, God's strength's going to get me through. Paul didn't fall into this trap. He didn't fall into this insecurity because he knew the one who was going to provide for him. He knew what was really important. I got a call from a very good friend of mine this morning who's very sick. And I got to talk to him for probably about five to ten minutes. And as I talked to him, he's, he's about two years younger than I am. 
I was talking to him and it was right before I went, went into the prayer time that we have every morning. And I had this message laid out, my Bible on my desk. And when I got done talking to him, I looked over at it and I was like, we worry about the wrong things. We worry about the wrong things. You know, for most of us, we don't wake up with problems. We really don't. Not in comparison to what other people are facing. So many times we worry about how big our house is, what kind of car we drive, how big's my retirement account, how do people look at me because of what I have. We worry about the wrong things, man. And when, when and I hung up the phone with him, he just put it all in perspective for me of really and truthfully what's important and what matters. And I'm telling you guys, what you have money-wise, material-wise, it's great. Enjoy it. But it's not going to be your source of security because every bit of that stuff will fail you. But the one thing that won't fail you is God and your relationship with Jesus Christ. The last one that I think could have become an uh, insecurity for Paul was his past. See, Paul was uh, someone who had an incredible past. It was a crazy past. And, and Paul's past kind of continued to follow him even afterwards. And largely it followed him because he would tell people about his past as his testimony of, of, of telling them about Jesus. And so one of the things we see with Paul, as I told you, he was surpassing all the other Pharisees and he was growing and he was prospering in, as a Pharisee. And one of the things that we see in that is that he was very zealous for, the, for, for God. He was zealous. Um, it talks about this in Philippians 3, uh, verse 4 through 9. You can go look at that sometime. But the reality of it is that, that he was very zealous for God. His credentials were perfect. As far as following the law of the Jews, he was perfect is what he tells us. But he says, when I met Christ, all of this became nothing. It wasn't worth anything for me. And so we see that Paul recognizes that his zeal couldn't save him, that all of that perfection couldn't save him. We also know, and when you look at Paul's life, that he was full of sin. He had sinned greatly in his past. He called himself the chief of sinners. It's one of the things that he fought the hardest against in recognizing his calling. And so we see with Paul that he was also a sinner. But he realized when he met Christ that Jesus and his grace had covered all of his sins. See, that's the good news of the gospel, that Jesus went to the cross for us, gave his life for us to take our sin from us, to take the punishment of God on himself so that you and I could be set free from sin and death, that we could be made alive spiritually and so that we could come into a relationship with our heavenly father. That's what God did for us through Christ. And Paul recognized that that sacrifice was big enough to cover even his sin. So here's something, and I want you to hear this. Paul realized that his zeal could not save him. Paul also realized that his sin could not condemn him because the grace of God was bigger. 
And so when we look at this, we see that his past was separated from him and the zeal and all of the works that he tried to do to make himself worthy of God, he realized that they were nothing because he realized that it's only by faith that he received the grace of Jesus and by faith that he was made whole and made sin-free, made righteous, justified before God. What would make Paul do this though? Like he's exposing himself. He's showing every, he's showing all of his cards. What would make him do it? The very first thing that I believe made him do it is the fact that he wanted to identify with the weak. He wanted people to see, look, I'm not a superhuman. He wanted people to see, look, I'm regular like you. And when we're willing, listen, to admit our weaknesses and become human, other people around us are then able to admit theirs and become human too. And we're able to see people being healed and made whole by the transforming power of Jesus, but only if we're willing to boast in our weaknesses to expose our weaknesses. I believe another one is because he wanted to fully demonstrate God's power and his grace. And by showing his weaknesses and showing what God was bringing him through, had brought him through and would bring him through, it showed the power of God's grace. He wanted other people to see that. I believe the last reason he did this was because he wanted to fully experience God's grace. And see, God's grace is sufficient when we're readily willing to admit our weakness. When we're ready to expose it and lay it down that worry, that fear, that lust, the pornography, the sexual addiction, the affair, the drug use, the alcohol abuse, the verbal abuse, the physical abuse, maybe the abuse that was done to us. When we're finally willing to lay those things down and we expose those to God and we share those with someone who will hold it in confidence and walk with us through it, then God's able to begin to heal us and work in us. And Paul wanted to fully experience the grace of Jesus Christ. And the way we do that is when we're willing to boast in our weaknesses, to say, you know what? This is something that, 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 that has hindered me for a long time. But the reality of it is I'm drawing a line and I'm in the sand I'm drawing a line in concrete that says today is the day that this is over for me and that I'm going to begin a healing process, a process, not a moment, but a process that's going to make me more whole, that's going to demonstrate the power of Jesus, that my weakness is going to become a platform for his power, that I'm going to be able to see other people experience his power and see it through him and that I'm going to fully experience his power because I'm surrendering my life and my weakness and my insecurity to him and allowing him to come into my life. With all the benefits of exposing our weaknesses, why don't we do it? What keeps us from doing that? What makes us not willing to expose? Not willing to go to somebody and say, here's the truth. Because here's the thing I know, and this is what's been on my heart. There are a lot of you who've been living a lie for a long time. There's something there that you've been covering up. And remember, a hole that's covered can't be filled. There's a deficit in us that can't be filled until we're willing to uncover it and expose it. And the reason that we don't expose it is simply this. It is fear. It is fear that hinders us from letting it go. 
It's fear that hinders us from admitting our weakness. It's fear, fear of rejection. If people know this about me, they're gonna reject me, I know it. Especially in the church, we fear rejection, but I'm telling you, this is a church. It had better be a church that people can come in and be real and open up their heart and open up their lives and not feel rejected by anyone, but find people who will walk with them through whatever it is that they're walking through. It better be a church that we'll lock arm in arm with each other and we'll walk through hell together. So you don't have to fear that rejection. We're here to walk with you through this. Another one is fear of the fallout. Fear of the fallout. If I expose this, what's the fallout gonna be? If I come to a place where I admit this, what's the fallout gonna be? If I admit blank, What's going to happen? And there's a fear in that. A lot of times the struggles I share with you, I I, I have to get past the fear of the fallout. What's gonna happen if I share this? What's gonna happen if I say this? There's a fear of fallout. What's gonna happen with my job? If I come clean with this, if I'm honest, what's gonna happen in my family? If I come clean, if I'm honest? I don't know, but I can tell you this. Even if it takes blowing it up so that it can be put back together God's way, it's better than living your whole life dragging death along with you. So that we need to get that right. Another one is that we're afraid of the work that it's gonna take to heal from the weakness. Listen, it's not gonna end today. It's not gonna be over today. Most likely God could touch you and it's just miraculously gone. Amen. But what I've seen is most of the time it's a process and it's a process you walk through with God and it's a process you walk through with other people. And you just have to begin to take a step in that direction. You begin to move in that direction. Another fear we have is losing our image. I told you we worry about the wrong things. We worry about the wrong things. We worry about our dignity. What I'm telling you is we were put on this earth to glorify God. What we should really be concerned with and pushing towards is becoming more like Christ. And if that means sacrificing our dignity in front of one another, then you know what? Sacrifice it. Because there's going to be people here who will walk with you through what you're going through. Who aren't going to judge you for your past. Who aren't going to judge you for the sin you struggle with, but who are gonna walk with you through those things. And I wanna encourage you with that today. I wanna encourage you, if you've heard nothing else out of this, that we don't have to live with our weaknesses becoming insecurities and dominating our life. We can live on this, in this process of healing where our weaknesses become a platform for a demonstration of God's power. And it all happens through Christ, through Jesus, through his work. Through our relationship with him, that's how we become whole and secure. Today you have an opportunity, if you don't know him and have a relationship with him, to surrender to him. I'm gonna give you that opportunity right now. We do it every week because this is the biggest question that you'll ever answer is who is Jesus in my life? 
Is he Savior? Is he Lord? Or is he just a good man? Because see, here's the reality. Either Jesus is Lord or he's lunatic. There's really no in-between. Anyone who claims to be God, if they're not God, they're crazy. But anybody that predicts his own death, dies that death, and then is raised to life and claims to be God, I'm going with that dude. So here today, if you don't know him, but you say, I want a relationship with him, I want a relationship with God, never had that before. And today you realize that all your good works couldn't save you, but your past can't condemn you because of the grace of Jesus. And you say, I want that. I want that relationship with him. I want to ask you, would you raise your hand and say, I want a relationship with Christ for the first time. Amen. Today's the day, man. It's the day of salvation. I want to know Christ. I want a relationship with God through Him. And here's the next thing I'm going to do. I'm going to ask our prayer folks if they'll come up to the front here. If you're on the prayer team, maybe you're not on duty today, but I'm going to ask you to come up here anyway. I'm going to ask you, if you would, would you bow your heads for me? And here's the thing I want to know is you're here today and there's something you're carrying that you are tired of carrying. There's something that you know needs to be let go. And today's the day that you have feel the power of the Spirit of God telling you today's the day. And I'm going to ask you right now to do something that's very bold and very courageous but it'll be the best step you've ever taken in your life towards wholeness what I'm asking you to do is I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat and I'm going to ask you to walk up here and grab one of these prayer people by the hand and let them pray with you and give you somebody that you can lean on somebody that you can talk to somebody that can pray with you I'm going to ask you right now would you get out of your seat and begin to move I promise you this you're not the only one you're not going to be the only one. But you begin to move. Others will move too. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Anybody else? We're about to sing a song, but before we do, I'm going to pray. If during this song, God's moving in your heart, and you want to come up here and, and lay this before God, this burden that you have before God, this struggle, this weakness, an insecurity, whatever it might be, you come and do that. Come and do business with God. But I'm going to pray. You have the opportunity to move. You can still come and grab one of our prayer folks. They'll pray with you. And we'll walk through this with you. I promise. Let's pray. God, thank you for... This morning, an opportunity we have to bring our, our weaknesses before you, our insecurities, our struggles, God. Thank you that you meet us where you are or where we are. God, thank you that you have given us such grace that it covers our past, it covers our present, it covers our future. Now let's press into you, becoming more like you through the power of that spirit, the power of that grace. 
God, I pray for anyone here today who's struggling with an insecurity and a weakness. I pray, Lord, that you would move in their hearts and in their lives to bring them to a place where they're willing to lay it open before you so that you can begin to do the healing work. In Jesus' name, amen.